This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Is the start of our teachings on our premarital series. So we want you to stay tuned at 845 on Sunday so that you can get the conclusion or the continuation of this. Again, I said it's probably going to last until about September, October. Um, So you don't want to miss this valuable information. This is only the beginning. Um, And although this series is primarily geared towards the unmarried, uh, those of you who are married, you can glean from this. You can, in, in, in every message that you hear, you need to ask God, well, what is it? What's in this message for me? Because we can always, always, and that's the way the Lord works. He can take one message and he can speak to the hearts of everybody in that one message and not telling everybody the same thing necessarily or dealing with everybody on the same level with the same, uh, the same things. But his word is just that. It's life-giving. And whenever it goes forth, it shall bring you life. And I want to admonish you. Um, I know, you know, I, I was thinking about this is the marital season, right? This is the season where people are getting married, May, June, July, August. And, and we find ourselves in this pandemic, right? And so we tend to try to rush things and we tend to, you know, we want what we want when we want it. We want to do what we do want to do when we want to do it. But I have learned one thing is that to count every delay in my favor. You just don't know what God is doing. He, you don't know what he's trying to do in you. You don't know what he's trying to do around you. God keeps us from danger seen and unseen. He keeps us from danger seen and unseen. When you are his, he keeps you from danger seen and unseen. And so sometimes when we are delayed and we consider that a setback, we consider that a failure, we consider that whatever, uh, just because, again, we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. But God says, You know, you need to be patient. You need to wait. You need to wait. You need to be patient because he could be working some some things out in you that can keep you from a danger down the road that you don't see. And so we need to always, always consider them. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's all, that's always the case. But when you have, when you are a child of God and you have a, 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 a relationship with God and a fellowship with God and you pray, he can reveal those things to you. So, so don't be impatient. Let patience have its perfect work. And our definition Remember our definition of of the marriage covenant, because this is what we're talking about. And marriage is an institution created by God, whereby two rational, free moral agents, a man and a woman, who are born again, they choose to enter into covenant with another imperfect person for a lifetime, and we gave you some scripture based on that. Again, we you can't you don't have to take anything that we say unless we can back it up with some scripture. And we came out of Genesis chapter two and verse twenty-four, Matthew chapter nineteen verses four through six, Mark chapter ten verses four through twelve, and Ephesians chapter five verses twenty-two through thirty-one. So we started out discussing the reasons why people, the reasons why men consider marriage or why they they want to get married or they consider marriage. And 
we said how those reasons are uh, sometimes debilitating. Most of the time, they are debilitating thoughts and, and, and the reasons why we consider marriage. Because, uh, again, those thoughts are our own thoughts. When you have your own thoughts, then you tend to, to fail. You tend to fail. Men tend to fail when they try to work things and try to do things on their own, with their own thoughts, on their own accord. Because the scripture says, I mean, the, the, our, our, our definition here says, and the Bible itself explicitly says that marriage is an institution that is created by God. So we cannot operate, we cannot function, we cannot go into marriage with our own perceptions, with our own thoughts, and then, and then can think that it's going to work and be successful the way God wants and intends it to be. Because that's just not the case. You have to do, in order for you, for you to be successful in marriage the way God has intended for you to be successful, you have to do things His way. And that's just the bottom line. You have to do things his way. Meaning, uh, we, saw, we said that uh, our thoughts, they're debilitating. Meaning our own thoughts, re- rather if they're learned behavior, if they're learned thoughts, or if they're fantasized thoughts. Either learned from, from wherever, from your family, from your home, from your neighbor, uh, from your church, wherever, wherever you've learned um, your thoughts, so you've gathered your thoughts on, on marriage, or whether you've just fantasized them, you've just thought them up on your own because of the things that you see on TV or whatever, these fantasy, fantasy worlds, they bind us to unrealistic expectations. Those things, those debilitating thoughts, they bind you to unrealistic expectations of what marriage is. It, they lead you to foolish actions. They lead you to foolish action, actions, and they lead you to bad choices. They lead you to foolish actions, they lead you to bad choices, and they lead you to unrealistic expectations. Your own thoughts, our own thoughts, they lead us to choose mates incorrectly. They lead us to, to get married before we're ready and prepared to get married. We said that marriage, just like anything else, it takes Preparation, because no one is born knowing what marriage is. No one is born knowing how to operate and function in a marriage. No one is born knowing those things. So it takes proper preparation. You have to be ready. And there's not just a natural readiness. Not just a natural readiness, well, you know, I need a job to take care of a wife, and I need this to do that. I need a job to take care of a household. Uh, um, uh, the bills and, and all of that. It's not just about the natural. The natural is good and it's important, but it's not as important. It is not as important as the spiritual preparation that you need. The spiritual preparation that you need going into a marriage is far greater, is far greater than Anything else, any natural preparation. The natural is important. Do not get that twisted. The natural is important. The natural is important, but it's not as important as the spiritual. Because you can see and we understand that even in the natural, you can prepare, you can have a job this, this day, and you can be, you know, have a, a home, and you, all of those things. But we see, even now, we see that money does not, cannot keep you. Money cannot keep you. Your houses, everything that you have, it cannot keep you. But the spiritual, the spiritual realm, the spiritual things in your life, your, your, your dependency and your trust and your reliance and your, your obedience, your obedience to God, it can even help you throughout those 
natural situations that arise that are unexpected. So it's very important that we have, that we be spiritually prepared and spiritually ready to enter into a covenant with, a, with someone else, in a marriage covenant with someone else. And so uh, we said that proper preparation is the key to a successful and a lasting marriage, the way God intended it to be. Preparation, proper preparation, is the key to a successful and lasting marriage the way God intended it to be. And we said that we know we, we can go. We, we sit, a lot of us, well, no, some of us, I'm not, I can't say a whole, a lot of us, but some of us even went into marriage uh, with um, have, having gone through marital counseling and all have sat with a preacher, a minister, a counselor, whomever you sat with, and they walked you through some things and they talked about some things. But God, I told you what God said, that that's fine and that's well and that's good, but they are, they are dealing with, they are dealing with, uh, uh, the couple. They are dealing with the things that happen in a marriage. But God is saying to be properly prepared for marriage, He has to deal with you first. We have to deal with you. He says, I have to deal with you first because there's no way that you can connect yourself. You can bound yourself. You can bind yourself. You can come into agreement with somebody else uh, um, in this marital institution if you are not ready and prepared yourself. We're talking about this is an individual thing. This is not a couple thing. This is an individual thing. We're dealing with the individuals. Not just the couples. And if you're listening as a couple, that's fine and that's well and that's good. But you're not listening for that other person. You're listening for you. Because God is dealing with you. He's not dealing with the couple. He's not dealing with you and that woman. He's not dealing with you and that man. He's dealing with you. You and you alone. That's all he's dealing with. That is all he's dealing with is you. So you have to be properly prepared. Don't worry about the other person. You have to be properly prepared to enter into covenant with someone else. You have to be. God has been telling us that, that we have to be prepared. So in that preparation, you must be born again, first and foremost. You must be rooted. You must, you must be built up in Christ. You must be established in the faith. You must be stable and secure in your relationship and your fellowship with Christ. You have to do that. You have to be secure and stable in your relationship and your fellowship with Christ through the Holy Spirit. That means you have to be born again. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You, you have to be. I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm not talking about the one that, that's soon to be your spouse. I'm not, the top, I'm not talking about the one that you think is going to be your spouse. I'm talking about you. You have to have all of those things. You have to choose to walk in Christ daily. You have to choose to walk in Christ daily, walking in his character and his conduct. You have to do that. That's something that you have to do. You have to have your mind renewed. Your mind has to be renewed with God's purpose and thoughts on marriage. And you must be ready. You must be ready. After you hear, as you hear, the word of God comes, come, coming forth on what it is a marriage is and what it is not, you have to take heed. You have to listen attentively. You have to choose to obey fully. And you have to choose to conform completely. You have to do that. This is not, again, for nobody else. This is only dealing with you. 
Only then will you be spiritually prepared to be a husband or a wife. Only then will you be spiritually prepared to be a husband or a wife. This is only, this is, and again, like I said, this is, this is only one expectation. This is one, only one expectation of God. This is one, only one aspect of entering into a marriage covenant that we're dealing with, the spiritual. Again, I said there is a natural, but we are dealing with the spiritual because it is first and foremost the most important. First and foremost, that is the most important. So after we talked about that, yeah, last week we started digging into, so what is God's purpose? After we talked about what man's purposes are and what their reasonings are and, and how they think. And, and, and God showed us that, that this is how we prepare, being, being born again and, and walking with him daily and being attentive to his word and hearing and receiving and applying his word. Then we want to, I told you, we need to get rid of those debilitating thoughts about what we think marriage is, about all those fantasies and all of that nonsense. And we need to replace those thoughts with God's purpose because, again, it's his institution. It's his institution. So we have to, we have to replace what we think with God's purpose and his thoughts. Those key, that latter part, and remember we talked about that, this is what we were digging into, was the latter part of that definition. Who are born again, so though a man and a woman who are born again, the latter part, they choose to enter into covenant with another imperfect person for a lifetime. You choose to enter into a covenant with another imperfect person for a lifetime. And so we talked about God's purpose. We started talking about what God's purpose. And I said God's purpose for marriage is twofold. His purpose for marriage is twofold. Number one is to reflect Christ's love for the church. Our marriages should reflect Christ's love for the church. That's number one. Number two, the second part of his purpose is to produce a godly seed, a marital relationship at the end, it was a part of the expectation is to be fruitful, as he said, and, and started in Genesis, to be fruitful and multiply. He, is, he is, is, is expecting that our children, that we will have children, and we shall raise them uh, as a godly seed. We should be, we should be re- reproducing in them what we have gathered and who we are in Christ. That is something that we should be reproducing in them. In them. A godly seed is what he is expecting. So, God's purpose for marriage is to reflect Christ's love for the church. His purpose for marriage is for your marriage to reflect Christ's love for the church and to produce a godly seed. So remember we said that the goal, in no matter what state you find yourself in, in the single state, unmarried state, you, your life, you are to focus on serving and pleasing God. In your marriage state... State, in your marital state, you are to focus on serving and pleasing God. No matter what the dispensation of time you're in, all, either way, no matter what, at every time and at any dispensation, we are to be focused on serving God, serving Him, and our focus should be just that, on how we can serve and please God. That is the bottom line. And, and no matter where your life is, that is what God is intending. Our lives should serve and glorify God. Therefore, if your life is to serve and to glorify God, then your relationships with one another, our relationships 
with one another, no matter what type of relationship, no matter what type of relationship we're talking about, it is to uh, uh, whatever type of relationship that person, that other person should be benefited. They should be able to benefit from your relationship and your fellowship with God. Anybody that you come in contact with, anybody that you have a relationship with, remember, all of your horizontal relationships, it depends and is determined by your vertical relationship with God. So every, every horizontal, that means every earthly relationship that you have, it should be impacted. It should be impacted. It should edify the other person and it should glorify God. Your relationship. Any earthly relationship that you have, it should edify that other person and it should glorify God. Always, always remember that. In every relationship that you have, the, when you, whatever, whoever you are in relationship with, they should be edified by that relationship and that relationship should glorify God. Always. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means when I say the other person should be edified, they should be built up. They should be encouraged. They should be strengthened. That does not mean that you pull up, put up with their foolishness. That does not mean that you don't correct them. That does not mean that you don't, that you don't offer godly advice to them. That does not mean any of that. That means just that. They should be edified. And if they cannot take criticism or they, constructive criticism, if they can't take correction, then that, I mean, that, 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 that that's not, they don't want a relationship. They want a one-sided something. They just want you to be uh, uh, always on their side. And, and, uh, and you know, God is, God is not like that. God is not like that. He's not always on our side. When we're doing wrong, he is not on your side. Trust that. Trust that. He is not on your side when you are doing wrong. So we can't expect for, he, I didn't say he didn't love you. I didn't say that. He's there for you. He loves you. He wants you to turn. He wants you to come back. He wants you to do the right thing. And, and that's, the, that's the, the, the way he's trying to encourage you. When you hear teachings, when, you, when your, your parents or someone is trying to uh, uh, um, uh, instruct you in righteousness, that's him trying to correct you. So I didn't say he didn't love you. I just said he's not on your side. He's not doing, he's not, you can't involve him with things that you are doing improperly. When you're standing against him, you're against him, but you want to be, you want him to be on your side and, and to be in everything that you're doing. He does not do that. So we can't expect for him, he doesn't participate in our sin. We can't expect for somebody that we love or that say that they love us, we can't expect for them to participate in our sin and participate in our wrong. If we're wrong, we're wrong. Just like our pastor said, if you're wrong, just admit it, you're wrong. And accept it, correct it, and move on. So, so we can't. That's what you know. People and people get love. People get love twisted. And we're going to talk about that because people get love these days is twisted. We're talking about the love of God and the way the the God the God kind of love, the way that He loves us. That's the way that we should love others. So that relationship, in that relationship, that person should be edified. They should be built up. They should be encouraged. They should be strengthened. And correction, that strengthens you. Whether you believe it or you, you know it or not, when you are corrected, that strengthens you. It strengthens you in the areas where you are weak. It strengthens you. So that person should be edified. And then I said that God should be glorified. What does that mean? That means he is magnified. That means he is lifted up. That means he is honored. 
He is honored when you are able to have a relationship that is built on his standards. Built on his standards, doing things his way. He is honored. Why? Because he can be seen in you and through you. He can be seen in you and he can be experienced through you. That's to glorify him. That's how your relationships glorify God. When that other person can see God in you and can be experienced through you. So that, that is how God is glorified in your relationship. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Remember, every relationship, the other person should be edified and God should be glorified. So you need to think about every relationship that you have. Every relationship. Do you edify? And can you be edified? <laughs> is God glorified? In that relationship. If it's not, then you need to take a retrospective look. You need to consider. You need to examine. You need to examine how can we correct that. Or that might mean we just need to move on. Either we correct it or it might mean that we need to move on. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And let's start reading at verse 25. And the scripture reads, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Listen, let the scriptures, let the scriptures minister to us because they do, it does what it does. The word of God is clear, it's clear, it's concise, and we just need to allow the scriptures, allow the scripture by the spirit of of God to reveal and to, to speak and to minister to you. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. If you're looking to be a husband, you need to love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. If you're looking to be a husband, you need to be able to give yourself for her, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. You need to know some word. You have to be born again and filled with the spirit. You have to be walking in Christ and choosing him daily so that you can sanctify and that you can cleanse, that you can wash by the uh, washing of water by the word of God so that you can wash her with the word that he might present it to himself verse 27 that he might present it to himself a glorious church magnified a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish set apart holy and without blemish to him. So you need to be able to set her apart by the washing of the word. You need to be able to set her apart for you. You need without spot. She needs to be separate. She needs to be separate for you. So are men to love their wives as their own bodies. Here we go. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For as we, for we are members of his body, 
of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Here God has just laid, he's laid it out right here for you. He's saying that this is the expectation that I have. This is the expectation. He has laid it out. For this cause shall a man, for what cause? Everything else, starting at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved. And even before then, 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives submitting. So he, he has laid it all out. He's laid it all out. And he says, well, at the end of the day, what am I telling you? That your marriage should reflect Christ's love for the church. And not just Christ's love for the church, but the, the love of the church for Christ. See, as, 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 as men, you are to love your wife. You are to give yourself for your wife. That means you, there's some sacrificing you have to do. That means that you, you are not in it alone. That means that, that you don't make this, the decisions all about you and concerning you because you have a spouse. You have a wife to consider. And if, if you didn't want to have to consider her in your thoughts and consider her in your choices, then you should not get married. You should remain single. That way you you can only you only have to care about yourself. You only have to care about yourself if you are if you stay unmarried. But when you choose, when you choose to, to bring on a wife, to take on a wife, when you choose to enter into a covenant with a woman, then you are responsible. You are responsible. But that marriage, you are responsible. And that, that means that you cannot, listen, God, God, live, God lived Christ on this earth and, and even to this day. He lived a selfish life for us. It was not about him. It was not about him. It was about, it was about us. It was about the church. And then in turn, in turn, the church is to love Christ. The church is to submit to Christ. The church is to reverence Christ. The church is to fear. And when I say fear, I'm not talking about being scared. I'm talking about reverencing. I'm talking about honoring. I'm, that's what I'm talking about. And that's what the church, that's the church. The church is supposed to reverence, supposed to love and to reverence, to reverence and to honor and to respect Christ as her head, as her head. As the one responsible for her. So, so we see, we see here that that is the reflection. That is how, that is how a marriage is supposed to work. Listen, we said that last week that marriage, in a marriage, is about love. God laid it out just right here in Ephesians chapter 5. It is all about love. It's all about love. And even every relationship that you have, it's about love. Love should be our motivation for everything that we do. Love should be our motivation. Love should be the determining factor. Love is a choice. It's a choice. We choose to love. And because we choose to love, then we choose wisely our decisions about what we do, what we say, about what we do, about how we act, about our character and our conduct within a relationship. 
We choose that. That's a choice. And we do everything based on love. The love that God has for us is the same love that we're supposed to have for one another. And I said, I'm talking about everyone in particular, everyone in particular, but especially someone that you have bound yourself to, someone that you have, you have uh, become one flesh with, someone that you sleep with every night. Someone, that is, that relationship, listen, that relationship, God intended for that, that is the only earthly relationship, that is the only earthly relationship that is a direct Reflection, a direct reflection on Christ and the church. That is the only direct relationship. The only direct relationship, a reflection of Christ and the church. We went to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're not going to go there. We went to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where it talks about love. Go back and read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Read the whole chapter. But it talks about love. It, it, there it's translated as, as charity. But it, it, just, it means love. That love suffereth long. That, that, that love is, is not about, it's not about pride. It's not prideful. It's not puffed up. That love, love fails not. Love never Fails. And we told you that in that type of relationship, there is no sexual implication in that. There's no sexual implication in that. So when we try to, to, to determine our relationships and who we're going to marry and all of that based on sex, about how they look and, and, and our sexual desires and, and all of that, that is not going to last you. That is not, and if you try to, to base a relationship, even if you didn't, even, even if you didn't, you shouldn't have to begin with, but even if you didn't have uh, a sexual relationship before you got married, you still cannot go into a marriage. Remember those debilitating thoughts. You still Still cannot go into a marriage thinking that's all that marriage is, and that's what you base your marriage on, because that is not the case at all. That's not the case at all. So again, the marriage, the love that God is intending for your marriage is not one. It does not have to do anything with a physical attraction with with any of that. There's a place for that. There is a place for that, and we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. There is a place for that. I, I, I know you want to get to that now, but listen to what I'm saying. Love the way God is choosing, the way God loves us, that is the way we ought to love a spouse. That is the way we ought to love the one that we're going to marry. You have to be willing and ready, prepared to do all of that, to lay your life down. You have to be willing and ready to put aside yourself, your selfishness, and respect that man as the head. To submit yourself under his headship. That is something that you are going to have to do. You will have to be willing, men, to take the responsibility of a wife. To be able to wash her with the word. You, that's the responsibility that you have. That's your responsibility. You gotta be ready and prepared. And listen, the initial part of all of what I just said, submission and loving her the way Christ loved the church, all of that begins with what we started talking about earlier, is that you are being prepared. That you have decided, that you are born again, you are filled with the Spirit, that, that you are walking with Christ daily, choosing to walk with Him daily, that you are listening and being attentive to His Word, that you are willing and ready to obey fully, and you are willing and ready to conform completely. That is, that's where it starts. 
That's where it starts. Because we said that in marriage, there are things that come up in a marriage that you will not be able to handle without the spiritual preparation of being in Christ. Without the spiritual preparation of being rooted and grounded and established in the faith and in truth. You will not be able to handle it. You will not. And, you, and those things will cause you to crumble. You will crumble. And then at the end of the day, it, it will ultimately lead you to divorce. It will ultimately lead you that way. Because you are not able to handle. You're not able to handle it. It's all about our preparation. Turn to Romans chapter 5. We did go here last week. And I, I, want, to pick up, I want to start here again. Because, uh, because this, is, this is just... This is awesome. Again, we're talking about we're talking about our marital relationships being a reflection of Christ's love for the church. So this is the ultimate. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here he's laid it all out. Nothing shall be able to separate us. No tribulations. The things that we see now, that we're going through now in this, in this present uh, 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 um, atmosphere, this present society, all of these things that, that we are, are coming against, all of these things that we are facing, none of these things shall be able to separate us from the love of God. And so this is the same, again, a reflection, your marriage, a reflection of Christ and the church. Nothing shall separate you. Nothing should be able to separate you from the love of your spouse. You should be loving your spouse just as Christ loves you. He's not walking away from us. Christ is not walking away from us. Now you can walk away from him, but he's not walking away from you. He's not allowing anything to come against you and him. He is not. He says it's you and me against this old world. It's you and me. He says, as a matter of fact, you don't have to do much because you are more than... He says, I've already conquered it. I've already taken care of it. I just need you to stay with me. I just need you to stay with me. So that's, that's the other thing in our, in our marital relationship. It's you against the world. You don't let anybody, you don't let anybody, you don't let anything come against you and your spouse. N- nothing comes against, not your children... Your chi- listen, your children, they don't come between you and your spouse. Your parents, they don't come between you and your spouse. Not her parents, not his parents. The parents don't come between you and your spouse. Your sisters and your brothers, your cousins and your uncles, none of them come between. Listen, your job. Your job does not come between you and your spouse. Making money, paying bills, that does not come between you and your spouse. Nothing. When tribulations come up, and they will come up. When you're unable to pay that bill, and that will probably happen more than likely. 
But none of that should come between you and your spouse. Remember, and that doesn't take away, because I know women, women are good, good for this. We can't pay a bill. It's that man's fault. We can't get nothing done. We can't get nothing accomplished. It's that man's fault. But guess what? If you are not edifying, we said your relationship, your relationship with God, and that marital relationship, it should always edify, build up, and strengthen, and it should always glorify God. I said whatever state that you're in. That means if you're in a state of not being able to pay bills, that's a state. That's a dispensation. And it's a state. And in that state, you should be able, your, your marital relationship should still edify that other person, and it should glorify God. That's what this is about. We're talking about, we're talking about facing things and doing things God's way. God's way. So, so we, we've talked about that. We've talked about the love. We talk, it's an unselfish love. That, this love, it's unselfish. It's unselfish. This is a deliberate choice. It's a choice that you make to love a person each and every day that you wake up. It's a choice to love that person unconditionally. It's with purpose. Love is purposeful. It is a purpose. It's on purpose that I love this person. It's intentional that I love this person. Why? Because I have chosen. I chose him. I chose her. We said... You choose to enter into a covenant. That's a choice. You are entering into a, an agreement. You're entering into an agreement. And we said that your vows, your vows, the vows state. Listen, and don't try, don't try to change no vows. I don't care what you try to change. It does not change what God is, expects. The marriage vows say for better or for worse. It says for sickness and in health. It says for richer or for poor. It says forsaking all others. That's what the vows state. To produce a godly seed. That's the second point. To produce a godly seed. I remember I said that, that sex, sex and, and physical attraction, that is a part. In a marital relationship, that is a, in a marriage relationship. That is a part of a marriage relationship. It is okay to sexually desire your mate in a marital relationship. That is what it was intended for. Just real quickly, real quickly. Sex is the glue that binds you. Sex is the glue that binds you. It leads to the purpose of producing a godly seed. That's the initial. You know you got to have that first before you can have a seed, right? To produce. So that's, that's the initial part. Sex is the glue. It is a cure. In the scripture, part of that, that translation is a cure. You know what a cure is. So when you cure something, you preserve it. You put a little salt on it. You add, you, you know, that's brining. You can brine meat and it is preserved. It helps preserve it. But for future use, it helps to, to, to preserve it for a, a, a greater length of time. So sex in a marriage is a cure. It's a glue. Glue, and we know what glue is. Just think about your natural glue, your super glue that you use at home. It is about uh, uh, connecting two things together. It sticks. You don't want it to move. You don't want it to separate. You want it to stay together. And that's what sex does. But when think about what, what, what do they say when, you, when you're adding glue? When they say you, you put glue and you want to add, add glue and you want to connect these things. It says so first you need to start with a clean surface. 
You need to start with a clean surface before you apply the glue. And so we talked about all of those debilitating thoughts that you have, all of those things that can come between you and a mate, all of those things that all you need to all of that you need to cleanse that. That's what the, the first part of that is about was about cleansing, right? It's about cleansing your own thoughts, about cleansing your own ways, about doing things God's God doing things God's way. So in order before you put that glue on that, you gotta we gotta start with some clean surfaces first. We want to unite these two things. We, we want to unite them, but we got to start with clean surfaces. And then we can unite, and then we can add that glue to that. And that is supposed to glue you. That's supposed to, that's an, an, an adherence. It's a hard, it hardens. It hardens, that glue hardens. And that's supposed to harden that relationship. It's supposed to harden it. That's what it's for. Sex hormones, and listen, it's our bodies. God is, God is just great. And I'm telling you this for a reason. But sex hormones in our bodies, they are produced by adrenal glands and glands. Glands and gonads. Glands and gonads. And they, uh, these are, are found, these hormones, they're found in ovaries in females and they're found in testes in males. And these sex hormones are important for a range of bodily functions. Uh, a lot, but what we're, for what we're talking about, it's about for puberty. It's about sexual development. It's about reproduction. It's about sexual desire. And at a certain point, in our bodies, coming into uh, uh, adolescence in, 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 in those teen years, then God starts to turn those things on in us. He starts to turn on those hormones. Why? Because he is preparing our bodies for marriage. He's preparing our bodies for marriage. But again, what did I say? I said he's preparing our bodies. That doesn't mean that you just use those things when you're ready. I said you are in preparation for a marriage. You are in preparation for a certain uh, uh, a certain thing, for a certain focus, for a certain purpose. You are being prepared for that. And so our bodies, he awakens our sexual development that causes us to take notice of the opposite sex, that then causes us to, to have a sexual desire for intimacy in with the opposite sex. And then it awakens our reproductive organs for reproduction. In Genesis chapter 2, Verse 24, and I'm not going to be able to go there, but write that down. Genesis 2 and 24, and in the other scriptures that we talked about, it said that, that God intends for, he says that a man should leave his father and his mother, he should cleave to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. And that sexual experience between a man and a wife, that is part of them being one. That's part of them being one. The other part of them being one is their agreement. He said this is a covenant. A covenant, a binding covenant, binding, a binding covenant. That is for a lifetime. It's a binding agreement. And an agreement, it is, it is you deciding, it's an agreement that you're deciding to come into a purpose. You're deciding to come uh, into unity, into unity with another person. That's an agreement. And in this unity, we are to reflect God's, uh, Christ relationship with the church and we are to produce a godly seed. That's the agreement that you're coming into. That is the union. Just as Christ has unified himself to us, that is the union that you are disagreeing upon when you decide to take on a mate. When you decide to take on a spouse. That is the agreement that you are entering. You are deciding, again, because this is God, this is God's institution. So in God's institution, it's about his purpose and it's about his plan. And I've already told you what those are. In marriage, it is number one to reflect Christ's 
love for the church and his relationship with the church. And two, it is to produce a godly seed. So you come into an agreement with someone else and to unify yourself in God's institution, then those are the two things that he is expecting. Those are the two. And that's what you're agreeing upon. I, I know, I know. That's not what you agreed upon. If you already married, nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, unless you were taught otherwise, nine times out of ten, that is not why you went into agreement with that woman. That is not why you went into an agreement with that man. But this is why we're trying to teach those who are not married. You don't have to make the same mistakes. That some married folks make. They have, see, now they have it harder because they have to learn new information and they have to apply information, new information. Some of them have been married for years and this will be their first time hearing some, some things that they need to change. Doesn't mean that they need to give up. They, they, they still need to push towards God's uh, purpose and His plan. They still need to push for that and do what they can to, to try to redeem the time. But, but you as unmarried people, this is information. That's why God says, be still. Just be still. Just be still. That's why he says, don't, don't rush it. Don't, don't push it. Be patient. Let patience have its perfect work. Let him work in you so that you can work it out and that your marriages can be successful in the long run. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.